Today's episode is brought to you by CTL. Based here in the USA, CTL builds Chrome devices that are sturdy, well-made, and above all, affordable. Whether it be for the classroom or enterprise deployment, CTL offers a wide variety of Chromebooks and Chromeboxes to meet any need. If you'd like to learn more about CTL, just click the link in the show notes. Today's episode of the Chromecast is brought to you by Visor for Chromebooks. Are you a school or a school district with a Chromebook one-to-one program? If so, get ready for your summer intake today with Visor for Chromebooks. Visor is a Chromebook management solution which seamlessly integrates with the Google Admin Console and your student information system. With Visor, you can easily see which student has which Chromebook, manage repairs, and even automate disabling lost or stolen devices while notifying parents all in one click. Listeners to this podcast can get two months free, so be sure to tell them you heard about Visor on the Chromecast podcast to qualify. To learn more, do a Google search right now for Visor for Chromebooks. That's V-I-Z-O-R for Chromebooks, or click the link in the show notes. Welcome to the Chromecast, the official podcast from Chrome Unbox, where we unpack everything from hardware to software in the world of Chrome and Chrome OS, so that you can be more informed on all the latest updates, changes, and devices. What's up, everybody, and welcome back to another episode of the Chromecast. My name is Joe Humphrey, and I'm joined here today by Gabriel Brangers. Good day. And Robbie Payne. What's up? So first things first, I wrote it down so I didn't forget. Uh, We have hit our first milestone in our On the Run to 200K. I'm glad you remembered because I'm completely... I forgot. We Uh, just made a Plinko video and everything. We made a video and we we went all in. So if you are unaware, if you're a new listener or if you haven't heard about this uh, yet, we are on the run to 200,000 subscribers on YouTube. And thanks to an awesome partnership with MediaTek, we are doing an extended giveaway. And we our first milestone was 180,000 subscribers. And we are doing a giveaway every 2,500 subscribers after that. It's pretty epic. It's probably... Epic's the, a good word. The longest giveaway we've done, it's for a sure. good word. I'm yeah, gonna, we, we honestly weren't sure, um, you know, whenever we started this one, like how long this would take. Um the but, shorter the better, really. But. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Kind of like, but. Is, is this going to go like super fast? But you know, it's not gone bonkers. Kind of like the hundred thousand. Yeah. I think it's accelerating though. Oh I yeah, think it's, as it we is. Get like it's picking up storm, yeah. steam a little bit. It is. Um, yeah, it's it's just been cool. It's been it's been awesome. Everything that we're giving away is powered by MediaTek, and because of that that sponsorship from them, we're able to do this this extended giveaway, and we're just we're really excited about it. We hit our first milestone. We made a fun little. Vlog. You you can go watch us try to vlog, basically. Yeah, so why we don't even vlog. Really, it wasn't even really <laughs> a vlog. It was just me trying to do handheld. Uh, but we had fun doing it, and it's kind of uh, uh, just a, a little behind-the-scenes style video, something that our patrons yeah. are used to. Uh, but for everyone else that, that has followed us or is used to our more produced uh, videos that you see on YouTube, <laughs> this is definitely not that, but it was really fun. And we, um, yeah, we're, we, we just uh, we, we put that video out announcing our 180 uh, milestone, and we used the little mini Plinko board to randomly select prizes. We're going to do that on all of these prizes leading up to our grand prize, which is an awesome Lenovo Chromebook Duet bundle. 
So if you haven't gotten entered to win, you need to do it right now. We'll link it down in the show notes and it's all over the website. It's on our YouTube. Go check it out. Okay. Housekeeping out of the way. Let's move on. So let's dig into some news of the week. And the thing that we wrote yesterday has been yesterday dominating evening. our site. <laughs> Not even 12 hours at this point. Which well, no, is really it's 12 fun. Hours. It's over 12 Which hours. is really fun. I just love, I like news like this. Anytime something like this pops off, it's just exciting. You know, yeah. it's, it's something, it's something that isn't really exactly in our lane, really. I mean, it is. We've yeah, been talking is. about we've been talking about Pixel phones for a while. It isn't a Chromebook, but what we're talking about are some new leaks yeah. from uh, uh, what what is his channel called? Uh, front page tech. Front, front page, page tech. tech. So John Prosser. John Prosser leaking again. Yeah, he's got so, some good sources. Good for him. Yeah, if if you've not uh, followed him or been, yeah, go part subscribe of, to that guy. Yeah, uh, it, he. He's one of those people, I was talking to my wife last night, because I was like, did you watch the thing on the Pixel? Because she's been a Pixel user for, I think, since the Pixels rolled out. So she's just stayed on Pixels. Um, and so I asked her, you know, did you see the stuff I sent to you the, to go check out the Pixel 6? Ah, I haven't watched it yet. I'll just sit down and just watch the video. It's it, it's better than looking at still images. <clears throat> and so she sees him pop up. She's like, oh, is it that guy? <laughs> and I'm like, and that yep. explains a little bit, like... He's had massive leaks, and he's very, very accurate. So whoever he's got as his sources, multiple sources, obviously, because he's got stuff that comes from Apple. He's got stuff that comes from Google. Like He's got sources, um, and he's become just a really prolific uh, um, bearer of leaked information, and he's accurate. Mm-hmm. Like He's, he's uh, doing a good job as far as like conveying the stuff. And so... Um, he, and he does something that's really cool too that I, I do appreciate. Like a lot of people would look at it and be like, "Oh, these are just renders. These are just these are just renders. It may not look like this." Here's the deal: his leaker, his his source gives him images, and apparently he said he got more videos. videos. Yeah. Yeah. Hands, yeah, yeah, he said he had more of that stuff for this phone than he's gotten for almost any other leak thing he's ever had. He hands that over to a renderer artist. That artist takes time to meticulously re-render that thing in. You know, in a digital format, basically probably makes a CAD, you know, off of certain things. And then they make these renders and they're able to kind of manipulate them in 3D space for you to look at. The benefit there is that it is pretty much spot on. Exactly. He showed even in that video, he showed a handful of things that he's had rendered just like this before that were all accurate. Um, And it, it saves his source from you know, possibly being outed. I mean, they could be as careful as they want and then oops, one little thing, one little thing in the background of an image. Yeah. That that source loses their job or something, you know, really some little thing. Yeah. Some little thing gets out and then boom, that those people were toast. And I mean, you know, you you could argue they shouldn't be leaking this stuff to begin with if they work for these companies. Okay. You know, that's fair, but at least John is doing his, his part to, you know, protect uh, these sources and stuff. But yeah, his, his channel is, uh, <clears throat> it takes a little bit of getting used to. <laughs> he's got yeah. kind of, he's, he's got a personality. Yeah. Um, he's, he's a, so, he's a little over the top, but in a genuine kind of way. Yeah. I, I've gotten, he's, I've he's grown not to like o- watching Like he's stuff. over the top, but in a way that like I watch it now and I kind of like chuckle yeah. along with him. Yeah. Whereas at first I was kind of like, what in the heck? Like, well, why what's is funny too like, is like, uh, about halfway through the video, you know, I caught my wife laughing a little bit. Yeah. You know, and so exactly. I was like, cool. Like, yeah. It, yeah, it's, he's nerdy, but he's unapologetically nerdy yeah. about stuff and just kind of goofy and, you know, whatever. So he went through a phase there, I think, where he was trying to be too cool at the same time, Maybe. I think is what yeah. turned a lot of people off. Sure. And so, like, he's only got 300 some odd thousand subscribers. It 
feels like his subscriber growth has been so slow, and I think that's part of it. People are a little weirded out with him at yeah, first. Yeah, I think uh, so. Yeah. Possibly. Um, if, he, yeah, you, know, you stick with him for a little bit, and you're like, oh. And I feel like he's, yeah, I feel like he's kind of coming he's, into his own Yeah, a and he's bit. mellowed a bit. Mm-hmm. Um, he's not trying so hard to lean on the personality. It's like he's got leaks, and he's got good stuff. He's got yeah. great content now. Um, and their whole thing started with, you know, front page tech was just like, hey, I'm going to look at the news. A and news basically, brief it's like a thing. news briefing, yeah, of what stuff's happened. And so now he's actually kind of creating news, uh, which, which is, is awesome. Yeah. I love that. Uh, it's pretty cool. So, anyway, all that to say, the video is linked or it's it's embedded in our post on the website. Uh, definitely watch it. Definitely go subscribe, give him a like, you know, yeah. all that kind of stuff. Love supporting other creators doing cool stuff. But yeah, he's, uh, he's got these leaks. And here's this phone that. Uh, <clears throat> Very different. Man, if you're listening to this and you haven't seen it yet, uh, as, John, as John says in the beginning of the video, you probably aren't ready. Yeah. <laughs> Buckle up. Yeah, pause, uh, pause, uh, pause and go watch it. It's uh, it's growing on me. I'm going to be honest. The design. Uh, yeah. yeah. I, so again, if yeah, you should pause this and probably just go watch it real quick. But, but give, give him a quick general, visual description. Yeah, I mean. You know, nice rounded edges on the sides. Looks like metal rails probably. So very pixely looking from that. Like Pixel 4, think of the Pixel 4. It's that just rounded rails on the outside. Front is basically all screen, uh, hole punch, centered hole punch camera. Uh, nothing shockingly surprising there. Under display fingerprint scanner. Thank you. Like, just do screen, that. Screen to body ratio looks. It's, yeah. The, awesome. the bezel's tiny. Um, so the, the face looks great. Which, um, which, if you're putting out a flagship phone right now, that, you, should, you got it's, to. That, it's got to have that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, they've been doing a good job with. Uh, the the five the four A the four A five G and the yeah. likely the upcoming five A A G's five Pro five A five G Pro G it's gonna be the five A five G dumb so anyway this is the, 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 what will happen at I O will be the, hopefully the end of this phase of Google phones really and we're moving so. on to it was a weird the next it was level. a weird couple years about eighteen months yeah <laughs> strangeness um, but this. So the design on the back, the only one they got, and he said he, you know, they they showed a, like a champagne finish one uh, in the video that they did see uh, that looks like a million bucks, honestly. But the one they mainly showed is the one that he said they had hands on. He's like, it'll probably come in different colors, but we only wanted to render exactly what we saw in video. Yep. Again, very good. I like that. It'll probably come um, in a white and black normally. Guaranteed. Yeah. Uh, but in general, most of the back of the phone's white. One big G in the middle. Uh, the, there's a little band of color at the top and then underneath it is this, uh, visor. That's what I'm going to start calling it. It's a <laughs> visor. It looks like data from yes. Star Trek. Yes. Shout out to visor for Chromebooks. Yeah, there you Not go. the same, but there you go. Play on it. <laughs> Use it. Um, it gives me all the vibes that I got when I saw the Nexus 6P leaked for the first time and was just like, Ooh, at first, when I first saw it, I was just like, what is this? I'm trying to remember the 6P. I had it. So remember, it had the big thing across the top. Oh, yeah. Big wide yeah, bar. Yeah, yeah, There's yeah. a big visor yep. up top, and yep. it kind of just sloped into it. It was kind of scooped yeah, up. Yeah, it back. was the Huawei. Yeah. It was made by Huawei. Mm-hmm. Huawei 6P. So yep. um, it's not up there at the top. There's a bar of nothing, just the colored back, but then there's the very large camera hump. Um, so it goes all the way across. All the way across, yep. and then it slopes to kind of meet the side of the phone. Couple things uh, from the renders when you look at stuff like that, just mainly because it's a weird, different thing. Uh, it, I think, it stands out and it looks larger than it actually is going to be. Probably, uh, a if you take f- a phone case, will probably uh, remove it. For yeah, the most and part. I think uh, Gabe's wife. 
pointed out, like the the hump on the back of the nine pro, the one plus nine pro he's got. When you actually stop and look at it, and hold it to the it's, edge, like yeah, it's it's it's, it's significant. Plus the camera, the the stick out lenses farther. themselves stick out above mm-hmm. that. So it's actually it's if you take this off, it's it's, it's pretty hefty. Yeah. And so you know these are flush, so they're sitting off. behind one smooth sheet of glass, basically. Um, oh yeah, I've never noticed that. Oh yeah, so I mean that's camera on that's probably about the, the by the time yeah you look at the yeah. camera and the hump together, how far the camera is actually sticking out from the back of the OnePlus Nine T. It's no, it's going to be no more than that. Yes, my wife is smarter than I am and more <laughs> observant. Um, and again, when you have design elements like this, they generally just your eye tends to just focus in on it and, and look really hard at it. It the Nexus Six P I remember I was like, oh my gosh, it's going to be like a ledge. And it really wasn't. It didn't end up being that big of a deal at all, uh, as a matter of fact. And so uh, it's it's an interesting design choice. Like, it's going to be hard to make a case for. I'm going to go ahead and say that. Um, they'll have to get, I guess they could slope up on the edges where it slopes up to kind of connect to the top. I don't know. It's going to be. The whole, the sides will basically hold the top part. Yeah. Essentially. Yeah. Uh, that'll be, that'll be interesting. But again, this is based on real phones they had hands on with 100%. That doesn't necessarily mean that those are the final design. Exactly. That's that you also have to keep that in mind. But there's a good chance it is. There's a very good chance it is. Uh, and, and in the event that it is, as long as that hump doesn't feel that massive in real life, like I kind of dig it. Mm-hmm. Um, it's so different, and that's the thing I think that's probably most important here. Again, remember this is Google's custom silicon. This is um, their their first flagship real flagship in a while you know and you it's easy to look at the pixel 4 4a 45g all 5, these phones look 5A. the same they look and the same boring they're boring <laughs> they are and they have been for a while uh like the pixel 3 xl wasn't amazing either and i mean they it, it just played it safe all the time and to a point i think that's okay because it wasn't about like trying to engineer the best phone ever. It was about a vehicle for their software. It still will be that. Uh, but I think with this new chip and then looking at this design, it just feels like Google is ready to come out swinging again. They're trying to make a splash. Yeah. Like instead of just being like, eh, here's another phone. Here you go. You know, we're it's gonna like, sell, hey, we're, we're gonna, thinking about it this We're going to sell mm-hmm. a couple of them, you know. <laughs> and that could be the case. But if they will decide, if they'll actually decide to be like, hey, we're... Or A, we're going to come out and, and build something that doesn't look like anything else. I think that's kind of why I like it. I'm like, maybe it is a little ugly, but it doesn't look like anything. It's not trying to be an iPhone. You know why they put a square camera bump on the back of the Pixel 4? Because that's what the iPhone was doing or was slated to do. That's all. That's the only reason. And I understand trying to kind of fit in with you know what's going on, what's trendy or whatever. But at the same time, if you're going to try to go for something, you just got to go for it. You have to build something that's going to be beneficial to the users, and it's not trying to be something else so hard. Uh, and, and Pixel phones don't need to do that. Like, if Google's continuing to make Pixel phones, it's because they need to continue to do that and push the platform forward. It's not for sales. They're not doing it to make money. I mean, let's be honest here. And so if that's the case, build something that, conforms to what you're trying to do yeah. like that's it what do you want to do build the thing to do that and then figure out a way to make it look unique after the fact like google is a function over form company always has been and so make sure the functions there and it's like they've stuck with the same camera hardware for years clearly with this hump on here 
they're they're getting new hardware. There's new lenses. It's going to be an emphasis on that, hopefully. Yeah. It has to be. If it's a Pixel, it's got to have a good camera. So it looks like they're putting some new hardware in here for sure. I mean, there's no need for this hump unless those are some honking lenses in there. So It's going to have some crazy feature that we've never seen before. It's, I, I, I'm, just, I'm in my mind. I'm trying to think, what in the world? I mean, as long it's as it's got to be awesome, though. As long as it's got just really big sensors and really nice glass, yes. and and it's got those three cameras that we see on the on the Pro. They they've changed it. Yeah. It's not XL anymore. Apparently, it's going to be Pixel and Pixel Pro. Uh, as long as those three are kind of standard wide angle, ultra wide, and a telephoto. Like give give us like a four X or five X telephoto. Don't do yeah. a two. You know, and then take advantage like leverage your software against all this new hardware and, and yeah just and let's hope that amazing. they're using current sensors too that they've they've had an issue with that because obviously their software is great and it does a great job but they're like oh well we can use last year's sensors because their software's too why don't you go all out and yep. do the best sensors you can get whatever sony's selling right now and your software and then you can come out and say hey our camera destroys everything on the market yeah and they need to that's like that's kind of their thing um and so you know, the only question marks now are still like, how's that Whitechapel GS101 chip going to perform? We don't know. Uh, we won't know until it comes out, but I don't know. It's exciting to see it. It's exciting to see like, okay, cool. Here's a, a flagship phone from Google in the flesh. It doesn't try to look like anything else. It feels like they're in it to like try to do something this time. Let's go. Yeah. Let's see. Like, and you know, they've got some renders of it with the Pixel Watch uh, that he also leaked that I have a good feeling is legit and the colors match up exactly. And so they've got the orange band. Uh, I just, I put all his video. Okay. I just put his, uh, that watch with that phone man. so let me pull that that will be my Christmas. Yeah. That right there. Oh, there's a picture of the orange band matches matches the the, phone. Oh, please. (laughs) Yes, please. (laughs) It's fun. You know, it's fun stuff. And so I, you know, you know, I'm hopeful. I'm Something hopeful a little this, different, which is yes, exciting. Yes, and that's that's the thing. It's it again. It's all about you know Google actually putting themselves out there and trying to do something that's not just a regurgitation of what they've done or what someone else is doing. Nothing looks like this phone. Period. For better or for worse, <laughs> nothing else looks like this phone. Uh, yeah, and so, some people might be put off by this. I design. mean, I put a, I put a tweet out and I was just like, I'm kind of digging it. I don't know, and like somebody playfully just put a gif like what is wrong with you yeah <laughs> and i get it there's gonna be people that are like that thing is ugly you know yeah. but the pixel 3 3xl was ugly too yeah. that bathtub notch was ridiculous the 4xl is ugly it's got a huge forehead on it like google hasn't made these gorgeous phones all yeah. along and so it's like yeah go do something different just build the phone that you want to build who cares like go go for it and they're doing it, I think, at the right time where they had, they've got their own silicon. They're going to try to make a pretty big splash with this thing. And hey, it could fail all over the place. But I think if, they'll, if they're taking the, the path of, hey, we're building this phone to be the best phone that we can make instead of aping something else. Yeah. Like, I, I'd rather see them fail at doing that. Yeah, because Google's in a unique place safe. where they, I mean, obviously, as a company, you can't set out to lose money. You don't need to be the next iPhone. And you're not you going need to. no. You need to, to. You you need to make the best phone that Google can make, and Google's exactly. capable of making a very good phone. Instead of oh well, we want to do this, or or we need to do that, or we got to hit, we need to hit the mid budget, or what? Make a great phone. Yep. It, it'll and all then, work out. And then next year, make a Pixel Six A. That's a 
a more budget, you know, a more budget version of this. Like it's a great strategy or, you know, release a, in three or four months after release the a version or whatever. I don't know. Like the a version seemed to work. Like you had a flagship and everybody knew that somewhere in that mid cycle, you're going to get a, a budget version and yeah. buy one great. plus and make a flagship and a Nord and yeah, everybody will be happy. The Nord's a great phone. I played with it at T-Mobile the other day. Yeah. It's, it's yeah. a great phone. It's no different than the, the pixels, the mm-hmm. current pixels. They're just like, Hey, it's mid range. It, it does its job. It's okay. Like I can buy this phone for three hundred dollars. Okay. Here, here's here's what's exciting uh, to me about this phone is we've had we've had these these iterations, like you've said, over the last you know eighteen months or two years of just like, all right, cool. Well, here's the new here's the new Google phone. We know what it's kind of gonna be. We know the processor in it. It's old stuff, you know. And now we're moving into this six, and there's so many unknowns. And that's really fun. It is. It's I mean, awesome because everything's now been it's, so boring. It's yeah. like it's like, oh, what are we gonna get? You know, and it, how's the chip? How's the chip gonna perform? You know what? Yes, yeah, I mean that's why. Yeah, like? I was we telling Robbie at this morning. We we moved to the the nine, the one plus nines, and it's a great phone. I do love the screen. The screen is the screen is great. Um, I keep everything cranked up, so my battery life's not awesome full brightness uh, thousand nits in my face but she's had a couple Burning of bugs my retinas. yeah she's had a couple <laughs> of bugs with hers we're probably going to have to swap it out for a new one and mine just feels a little quirky but it's probably cuz i'm just getting used to it but it doesn't feel like i stepped up from the 8 5G it doesn't i don't feel like oh man this phone's just oh no so much better it, it just feels like a, a slight improvement and, so. And to be but fair, not I mean, different. Yeah. I want something different. It doesn't have to be a million times better than what I have, but it needs to be unique. And yeah. this phone yeah. looks like that. And yep. I think, I think, I think we've talked about this maybe on the podcast before. I, I know. Um, I think Marquez has made some videos about this of where we're at in smartphone technology, and oh, it yeah. is getting iterative. Yeah. I mean, yeah. we are getting to pretty peak technology that we have available right now to yeah. make these and it, phones you know and to that i think that's in defense then of google over the last 18 months of right. like hey if you're gonna stick mid-range like you're doing what you need to do like do I, it yeah but have you all seen the videos of this this new asus the zenfone 8 apparently it, I've it seen dropped some this articles. week like watched everybody's video. videos went out yeah. so i watched mr who's the boss uh his video last night about it uh i think the eight's gonna come to us the eight plus is the one that's got the little spinny camera on yeah, it. Yeah, because that's all Michael it. Fisher said. I have the one that doesn't have yeah. the flippy So that's the one that's going to come camera. to the U.S. And it's like a six-inch phone, so it's going to be a little bit. How big is the Pixel 5? It's like 5.8, right? Yes, yeah. 5. Yeah. It's like 5.9 5. or right at six inches or something. So it's it's still a smaller, quote-unquote, smaller phone. But they put all the flagship stuff in it. Um, and that's it's super plain on the outside, like super boring and plain. Like there's nothing fancy about it at all. But apparently the speakers are awesome. The camera's pretty good uh, for you know a, a non iPhone, non Pixel, non Samsung kind of phone. Right. Um, he compared it favorably with like the latest OnePlus phones. Um, but the, he said the screen is really great on it. It's got the 888 Snapdragon in it with like I think eight or sixteen gigs of RAM, like big, big, fast uh, internal storage. And he's just listing off all the components. He's like, it nails everything. Like in this real plain kind of package. And so like that's where we're at now. We're and it's a $600 phone. We're starting to see these flagship numbers in in plain packages because exactly. people yeah. put cases and dbrand skins and all that stuff all over the phone anyway. So it's like I don't know. I, I we're getting to a spot where the the stuff that you're able to iterate on 
isn't enough, like what Gabe was just saying. Like, here's this $1,000 phone. You want it to feel like. I, I just. <laughs> I, I, I really upgraded. A, right, yeah. This is such a big difference from what I was doing. <laughs> right. Man, like, and we still find that in Chromebooks. Oh, sure. So I'll go from reviewing a mid-range or a low-end mm-hmm. Chromebook and then come back to something like the HP uh, C1030. And it's like, yeah. Like, you feel it in yeah. everything you do, from the trackpad to the keyboard to looking at the screen to picking it up to everything. You feel the difference that money gets you. With cell phones, that is just the, the, the difference is, is shrinking yeah. over and over. Like, it's just less impressive. Like, you spend all this extra money. You're spending two, three times more money, but you're not getting two or three times more right. experience. Yeah, we saw that, uh, and I don't know how they how they overcome that because we saw that in the car business. Uh, you know, most cars come with like three trim levels or four trim levels, whatever. Uh, Ford especially got to where their mid range cars they had different packages you could get, and if you got the top of the line package, you were getting just shy of everything that you could get in like a platinum or a limited model. And it's like the platinum model costs twelve thousand dollars more, right? right? Just because, and the only real difference is there's a set of wheels you can get on the platinum or whatever the difference may right. be. And it's like, how do you condone that? Right. You know, make, put, make a gap in between them. I mean, you're not going to hurt it. I mean, you might hurt someone's feelings, but whatever, you know, I don't care. And it's good. I, I think that's a, a good, like, analogy between, you know, the, and it's, I think every industry probably goes through this. Like, you start reaching peak things, you know, like televisions are in that space. Like, yeah, you can spend two grand and go get you an OLED. But if you spend $1,000 for the same size brand QLED, 99% of people are going to look at it and be like, blacks are black. Right. Like everything looks good on this screen. And is it as good as OLED? Maybe not quite, but is it a thousand dollars better to get the OLED? No, it's not. So, you know, it, it just happens, you know, like, because these companies are looking at it from a bottom line perspective and they know that when they make things that are more affordable, they sell way higher in volume that people don't have to think quite as much about buying it. And cell phones are that way. We went through where, you know, flagship phones were six or 700 bucks. That was what it was. And then iPhone 10 came out and it was a thousand dollars. And so everybody decided, Oh, people will buy a thousand dollar phones. Cool. What they didn't factor in at that point was that people keep iPhones for five or six years and so Android owners are like, wait a second, I, I'm going to spend $1,000 every couple of years on a phone? Like, and I think we're, that's going to start coming out of vogue yeah. because the, the mid-range phones are just getting too, too good. Um, and unless they artificially manufacture some separation, yeah. I, there's just yeah, I, there's, how are you going to keep selling $1,000, $1,200 phones? Right. Like it's just and, not a thing. And that's what I hope like Google does something different. Yeah, you know, I mean, I make, hope they come out with a flagship level. It's got everything. They throw in the kitchen at it, and it's eight hundred bucks or exactly, something. Yeah. You know, and let's try to pull that price back down to where people are like, "Cool, yeah, I'm, I'm in." You know, I'm in for this thing. I don't yeah. need to pay thirteen hundred dollars for a phone. Yeah. You know, because uh, I could, I could see the pro version being over a thousand. It could be. Yeah. Yeah. You know, we'll just have to wait. Who and knows? See. And I'm not yeah. a fan of the Pro. Just going to go ahead and say that. No, I, like, I hate Pixel Pro. Like I don't Excel. know why. I just don't like it. Excel is it going to? Unless they're going to make it different. Well, they haven't in the past. Like no. they put a phone, small phone, big phone, always same specs. So unless you're going to, you know, Have take away some things. Different camera hardware or right. some other features or something, slightly different processor, whatever. Yeah. And I just, which I don't know. Yeah. That seems to be that there's one processor. Yeah. I mean, there's not, doesn't look like there's. 
Yeah. So like that, what makes it pro? It. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. yeah. And, so we'll and I hate using that word just to say things like eh, it's, it's pro. Just pro. It's super what, what pro. Makes it pro. <laughs> Apple. The fact that you don't have any attachments and there's no ports on it, it. that's pro. That doesn't. I mean, it all started with MacBook Pro, which has become like. I mean, that's just it. Saying that now sounds very like normal because there's there's been so many you know MacBook Pros, but then the phones came and it was like, oh, this is the the pro iPhone. Oh yeah, what's pro about it? (laughs) At least MacBooks that are pro are literally professional devices for a lot of people. Right, they use them to create things or you know right. run businesses or whatever so anywho i digress okay um so you have some thoughts about maybe this thing perhaps showing up at io yeah i mean they did the same thing with the uh, 5a or the 5 i'm sorry when the 4a came out i went back and looked at the article just to make sure last night but uh, when the 4a was announced they went ahead and teased that little side shot remember mm-hmm. of the 4a 5g and the they 5 like, this thing's coming they didn't give us much it was a little bit but they went ahead and just said like let's not beat around the bush it's here there's at least a little bit of it i could see some sort of tease like that um and hey if anybody's listening from mountain view and you all aren't planning on doing that maybe just maybe just think about get it a, get a couple little graphics ready yeah for next week yeah throw up a slide just, you know, just throw up a couple just a slides. teaser yeah. just a teaser Teaser. A teaser. A teaser. <laughs> a teaser. Is that like a seizure? It's a, a teaser, teaser that evokes a seizure. It's a teaser. <laughs> they, they put it up and it's just a bunch of flashing lights. <laughs> this this uh, this keynote is not for people who are photosensitive or whatever yeah. it is. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Jeez. I don't know how that happened. Yeah. Teaser. I would love for them to tease this phone at I.O. That would be I cool. think that they need would, to tease it. Tease it would the make watch. A, it would almost make a statement a little bit. Yeah, that get, they're get, like get confident over, in... Get past the leaker culture. Yeah. And they're confident in what they're building yes. with this watch and with and with this yep. new new generation. I mean, this really does feel like a new generation of, of Pixel phones. Obviously, the, the silicon is going to be a, a big part of that. But also this design being, being a little different, I think, yep. could... Could could usher in a new era of, of Pixel phones. It it almost feels like when they went from, you know, they they did all the Nexus stuff for years, and then it was like we're gonna make you know we're gonna make Pixel phones, you know. And right. It was like cool. Here it is. So maybe that will happen with this. And I, I don't know. So. I st- I it still, feels like that's what they're doing, regardless yeah. of whether it works. Like that's that's where they're going with it. What if they What if they even like named it something different? What if it wasn't Pixel Six? I Pixel think something sti- else. <laughs> yeah, I mean, they, they'll stick with Pixel. Yeah, Pixel for sure. I just but don't I just, know if 6 is going to stay around. Like, at some point, don't you have to stop numbering things? What, yeah, I mean, the Galaxies are getting into that phase. Yeah, it's silly. And they skipped. Remember, they went S10 to oh, S20. Yeah. <laughs> but they were smart because they went ahead and lined it up with a year. Yeah. So the S21 came out in 2021. Right. Like, And that might have been why they did that. But still, it's weird. Why don't you just call it the Galaxy and it's the 2022 version or 2021 yeah, version? Yeah, I don't know. Whatever. People like numbers on their smartphones. I'll say <laughs> For that. Some reason. <laughs> well, they just like to be able to know. Yeah, like, I, know. I know if I'm going in to get the S21, that's the newest one, and so that's about the level of research most people want to do. Exactly. Like, yeah. Okay, what's the newest one? 21. That I'll remember that cool. when I go in. That's what I want. Yeah. Exactly. All right. Uh, I think was that it for yeah other yeah. IO stuff. We've talked about it. IO is happening it's coming next week. Next week, Tuesday. So uh, be ready. Make sure to. Go, go on the website and add it to your calendar. Sign in. You, yeah, can, you the, can go in and select which events you're interested in um, watching. A lot of them, like we've talked about before, are going to be on demand, which will be great. You can just go in and watch what you want to watch. So 
I think it's going to be a great event. I'm I'm actually really excited about IO this year. Yeah, and then unless you know there's something weird. If if something's going to be teased about this phone particularly or the watch, it's going to happen at that keynote, the, the main keynote, day one. Yep. So that's why I want to say it's like a noonish uh, time frame because it's like nine a.m. there. Nine time. nine Pacific. So yeah, noon, so noon or noon. one noon noon our time. Yeah, three hours, bro. Three hours. Three four hours. time zones. Three hours moved. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So yeah. So stay tuned for that. We will likely put out some sort of kind of what to expect or some sort of article like that. Will we? Will we do that? <laughs> Uh, what to expect? I don't know. <laughs> is um, there enough? Hey, IO's happening. Maybe. We might do Go one like Monday. Yeah. Uh, just a quick recap, but it's just like, hey. If not, just stay tuned to the website and yeah. go register to uh, join the event, I guess. It's free, yeah. but you still like have to Yeah, you have to register, register. I think, to get, get in and actually watch the stuff, which yeah. is interesting because it's always been a developer event that you normally wouldn't register for and you could still go yeah. watch the sessions. And now so I'm yeah, guessing you can probably still go watch the sessions. It would be my guess. The registration is probably just so you can get into the website and actually like sort them and stuff, do all that stuff that yeah. I think, I don't, I don't know. Yeah. Okay. Well, we're going to take a quick break for an ad and we're going to come back and talk with John Sowash, talk some education stuff. So stay tuned. This podcast is brought to you by NordVPN. We recommend the service and we use NordVPN because they keep your browsing secure and private on any device. Whether you're using a Chromebook, an Android device, a Mac, an iPhone, or a Windows device, NordVPN is going to protect your browsing. They also have 24-7 customer support in case you ever have any issues, and they offer a risk-free 30-day money-back guarantee. So if you want to learn more and maybe give it a try, head over to chromeunbox.com forward slash Nord, N-O-R-D. Alrighty, welcome back everyone. We are really excited to continue our education week, and we have a special guest on the podcast again. He's yes. a repeat guest now. This time he's remote, though. That's right. He is remote. Yeah, that's that's right. John's Last been yeah. in, the a, house, in, in the house. That's right. So our, our, our studio is different than when it he is. was here. I know. We, I need we've upgraded, guys. I know. I know. You need to come back down. So uh, so yeah, we have John Sowash with us today. Um, Honored to have you on the podcast again. We we consider John uh, a friend and a colleague, and an expert in this field. And so we we thought, uh, what a great time to have him on the podcast to answer a couple questions that uh, were uh, reader submitted. So we we posed uh, we had a little um, intro article talking about EDU week, and Gabe threw uh, threw a Google form in there, and we said, hey, if you have questions for John or for Chrome Unbox submit them here and this is the start of a new series that we're going to be doing mm -hmm. called upstream uh and, and this is really this is something we've talked about for a long time we're working on a new website it's definitely going to be more integrated to the new website but it's something we're going to go and kind of roll out with this where we really want to create a, a, a kind of knowledge base uh, uh you know readers uh, or listeners or viewers on our youtube channel who have questions can can ask us questions directly or ask industry experts in any given field questions and you can get answers directly from those people so this is this is kind of a way for for us to grow the community and, and, and for for everyone to to get good information and have kind of a resource or a place to go to get to get answers to questions you might have so john super excited to have you on and and, and thanks for thanks for making the time today hey my pleasure uh before we get started one very important question did you guys get my jimmy john's order 
I know podcast, <laughs> Jimmy John's, it's yeah. a thing. Uh, let's see yours, yours is it, Right now it says it's still out for delivery. <laughs> okay. so. It's a long, a long ride from Kentucky. Do you have Jimmy John's where you are? Yes, we do, Gabe. Okay. <sighs> it doesn't matter. Ours is going to deliver to him. They All said right. they would do it. Uh, so well, there you go. They send it on up. <laughs> It only charged us at eleven hundred dollar delivery. Fee. <laughs> Remember the the commercial last year? Yeah, the, the guy on the bike. And yeah, he ran into the invisible wall because they only deliver. Yeah, the, yeah. that's hilarious. Yeah, so yeah. Uh, yeah, we'll get your order together. Thank you. Uh, but uh, but John, you've got uh, you've got one thing that we were kind of talking about a little bit here before uh, we started rolling uh, that you wanted to tell folks about. So uh, fire away, man. Yeah. Um, well, I'm honored to help you guys celebrate EDU week. I'm so glad that you guys are doing this. You know, Chromebooks, I mean, as a teacher myself, I would have to say that teachers have made Chrome OS what it is. So you're welcome, everyone. And um, Agreed. Um, Agreed. Yes. Thank you. Thank you. Thank <laughs> you contribute to edu week um i've partnered with a, a university grand valley state in michigan and um, they are offering um, my online course called teach with chrome it's a online course specifically designed for teachers helping them um, work with chromebooks and really unpack the chromebook that it's not just a fancy typewriter like you can actually do some things with it so the course is being funded by grand valley state university it is 100 percent free for teachers um, and you can sign up there are 75 seats available it's first come first serve if you're interested in reserving one of those seats the course starts june 1st um, you can head over to chrm.tech slash chromecast and uh, you'll see all the information on that page. And um, uh, yeah, I'd love to work with you. It's a self-paced course, great for the summer. Help you unpack your Chromebook. That's so awesome. Like you yeah. were telling us about this before, and I think that's that's a that's a really good uh, program. And I, I think obviously, you know, you you have a lot of great information out there for people. But sometimes it's nice to have a little bit more hands-on, especially for someone who's brand new. Like you, yeah. like you said, they've been using Windows or, or a Mac, and they get handed this Chromebook, and they have to figure it out. So uh, awesome that you're doing that. And yeah, if, if, if anyone's interested, definitely go check that out. Um, so let's dig into a couple of these, these questions that were submitted. We're going to answer a handful of them here uh, on the podcast, and then we'll do a follow-up article that will include... Uh, some additional questions. Mm -hmm. So a, a, a little bit more of an extended uh, uh, Q&A that will be part of Upstream that's going to be on the website. So definitely check that as well. But we've got a couple questions here, so let's let's dig into them. All right. So I guess this one kind of kind of for could be for any of us, but we'll start with John since he's our special guest. Is Chrome OS good for students when Windows is the standard of working life? Oh, this is such a good question. I love this. How much time? How much time do we have? Um, We're on your time, man. So, so I mean, this is a really interesting thing, and I work with teachers and have for more than a decade. And there's this assumption that Windows, that Microsoft, is the standard. And the simple answer to this question is, it used to be the standard. It isn't anymore. Um, there was a really interesting article that uh, I came across. This is from 9to5Google. I guess there was this like huge Twitter war earlier this week about mm -hmm. Google Docs. And there was this college professor who was like super confused that all of his students were mad at him that he was making them turn in their term papers through Google Doc or through Microsoft Word instead of Google Docs. And he just couldn't understand why someone would use Docs when Word exists. 
And I mean, this thing, it was trending on Twitter. There were so many people responding and technology has changed. Windows, you know, proprietary software is not the standard anymore. Um, and, you know, in education, we've been ahead of the curve for like five years. But now you're seeing this trickle into, you know, business service industry, and it's very quickly going to trickle into, you know, tech as well. So Windows is not standard. Um, it might be that's what teachers are comfortable with. That's why I created this online course to help them understand that using a Chromebook is not a lesser thing. Like teachers get handed a Chromebook and they're always really mad and disappointed. Like, oh, my school is so cheap. They can't afford a real computer. So they're handing me this Chromebook. My course is designed to say, hey, wait a minute. That's not actually the case. Look at what you can do with Chrome. If you understand how it's designed, if you understand the features and controls it gives you, you're going to experience a tremendous sense of freedom and love working on the web, working in the cloud, because it's a modern way to approach uh, work. So I don't agree. Uh, I 100% believe that Chrome OS is the future of computing. Couldn't have said it any better myself. Absolutely. Well, and I've got one thing real quick. So the interesting thing here, too, is that going back to the original kind of the the first part of the question here is it good for students well students and kids are are picking up on chrome os way quicker than anyone you can hand a kid a chromebook and they're like yeah cool this is great this is the way things work exactly because <laughs> you know? because they've grown up with the internet and they expect things to work this way they almost trying to use a windows device or something might be like wow why what microsoft word what is yeah. this i can't i, have to manually I can't save collaborate i have to save it and all this and yeah. kids these days are way more accustomed to chrome os i don't know why this is there's such a disconnect i mean everybody should realize that this is exactly what microsoft did in the late 80s early 90s by 100 you know office away for free and then all those kids went up and started businesses and what did they build them on office and windows well the same exactly. thing is happening right now what do you think when today's kindergartners who have used chromebooks for 12 years go on to start the next fortune 500 company they're not using windows um, yep. it's using web-based technology but yep this that's i mean it's it's tried and true we've been doing this for hundreds of years with you know tools and services and products and get them hooked and um that's what they use for life collaboration an instant collaboration yeah right it's, we're it's cloud computing kids, that's, kids. that's the the under like that's the backbone of all of this and windows is trying to add it to what they do chrome os is built on it exactly it, it, that's the foundation yeah. of what it is and so i agree that my whole comment that i was going to add was what john just said it's yeah. just the idea that we we're, we're comfortable. I say we, Gabe and I are in our forties. We're comfortable, or we're comfortable with Windows, and had to become uncomfortable to start using Chromebooks at first because that's what we grew up with. Right. That's right. it. That's all it is. There's nothing more to it than that. It's yeah. not like oh, this is better than this. That's just what you're used to. You know, shifting the paradigm took a little bit. Especially, I took I I got into Chromebooks really early. Uh, it. It took more when work. When they were literally right. just a browser. Yeah, right. it, it took more work back then. It's not that much work anymore. Like yeah. we've handed uh, uh, people we used to work for, we reference all the time, yep. uh, their Windows device, one of their developers' Windows devices went kaput and they had to send it off to get worked on. They came by and said, hey, do you guys have an extra Chromebook? Of course we have extra Chromebooks. We have yep. like 20 Chromebooks. So <laughs> we lent them a really nice one uh, and he just brought it back yesterday and not once I didn't heard no complaints. Yeah, like exactly. used to, not at all. Be, we'd get, let somebody borrow a Chromebook, and it was like, 
well, how do I do this? What am I supposed to do here? Yeah. How am I going to make this work? How do I go about no. this? Zero. Nothing. Well, and and granted, like, this guy's tech savvy, but yeah. he's a Windows user mm-hmm. and he's not a Chromebook user. And yet, no, yeah. there was never any issue at not all. Because we, no. we've said for a, we've said for a long time, Chrome OS isn't for everyone, right? There's still going to no, be people that right, and we'll guys. get to and, and that that's part of the next question. But okay, I think cool. the original question then. they mentioned as a standard of working life, and I think that's the problem is that not the problem, but a lot of people still believe that most businesses just run on Windows, and that's just not the case. I mean, look at Google's footprint in enterprise mm-hmm. and, and cloud computing and all that stuff now with enterprises. I wouldn't, I'm not going to say most, but I will say, I would say a majority, more than 50% of smaller businesses, so less than 500 employees, could run solely off of Chrome OS if they chose to find figure out how to do it. Yeah, probably. And, I mean, and Google's given that, them yeah, the logic yeah they've Windows given them the tools to test that to see if they have the Chrome OS readiness tool. I would say most companies. Inventory systems, all of these things, unless you're doing crazy, serious, heavy development, Chrome OS will do everything that most businesses need. I mean, most mom and pop's businesses just use a square reader anyway, which, yeah. right. let's be honest, that's just running off of Phones. Square servers and phones right. and yeah, so yeah, great question. Thanks for whoever submitted that one. We could have talked about that one longer, but we'll All move things. on. Yes, we have. Okay. <laughs> so and and to piggyback off of that with what Joe was saying, the th- this other question was what parameters should be considered when assessing whether one's computer needs are within the capabilities of a Chromebook, and and that's the cool thing is that with where. Chrome OS has evolved to, there's very little you can't do. There are some things you might not want to do. If you are running a headless Linux server and you are managing massive server farms and things of that nature, you might not be able to do that or compile code. You can't run massive video editors like DaVinci Resolve yet, but I can't think of anything else off the top of my head that you can't do with a good Chromebook. Yeah, John. I mean, when you when you're talking with with folks, obviously we've we've already determined you're very pro Chromebook. A bit. But what what sort of things are you talking about with with teachers and with school districts? Well, when it comes to all forms of technology, the first question is, what are you trying to do? Like, what are you trying to accomplish? What are mm-hmm. your goals? And then, what's the easiest, most efficient way to get there? And that's true for schools as well. Um, you know, Chromebooks can't do everything, and I'm not anti-Windows. I mean, use the device that works for what you need to accomplish. I just don't agree that there are very many things, like Gabe said, there are not very many things that require a Windows or Mac device. Now, if you're doing, you know, certain forms of CAD, if you've got, you know, very specialized equipment, um, there are circumstances, and that's fine. Um, do what you need, but... In the school setting, there are very, very few things that cannot be done on a uh, on a Chromebook. Um, and yeah, so as long as your tools that your school uses run on web-based, um, you know, platforms, then I see no reason why a Chromebook uh, couldn't couldn't be a good choice. Do you see that? Do 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 you see any uh, like? Are there any other questions or things to take into consideration when talking about, you know? Uh, elementary age students versus high school students? You know, I am really, I don't get too bogged down in the specific brands and processors and models. That's why I listen to your guys' podcast because you keep me informed on that stuff. You know, the average 
student isn't going to notice the difference between the newer and the older processor. Um, for So when I'm recommending devices to schools, the, really the, the two things that I um, ask them about are touchscreen, like is that important to you, and then screen size. Those are really mm-hmm. the, the two mm-hmm. uh, two things. You know, 11 inch is pretty standard if you really think you need something bigger than that. Uh, puts you in a different class. But really touchscreen is kind of the key tipping point there. Um, I recommend it. I think touch adds so much to the classroom that I always try to get schools to purchase it. Um, it's not that much more expensive. Um, you know, looking at 30 ish dollars in addition. Um, and it adds a lot of value. So that's really the only thing, um, to me, you know, most schools have preferred vendors that maybe they only buy Dell or they only buy Lenovo. And, you know, that's, that's fine. A lot of those devices, if you take the brands off, you can barely tell them apart. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Good question. Another good question. Mm-hmm. These are great. Let's, let's keep chugging. Let's get maybe, let's maybe get one or two more for John and then we'll, we'll kind of switch gears here. John has some questions for us, which will be fun. All right. Do you want to just randomly pick one there, John? I mean, there's some really good questions here, but let's... Yeah, so there is, there's, a, you know, a good question about Minecraft for education. Um, so mm-hmm. I've got five kids of my own, um, and uh, they're right in the middle of, you know, Minecraft fever. They, they love playing Minecraft. It's a great learning tool. I, I have no problem with it being used in schools. Um, the question is, can you run it on the Chromebook? And the answer is... Maybe. Um, Hmm. It works. I mean, from a technical perspective, it does work. So Minecraft was purchased by Microsoft. They have Minecraft for Education. It has all kinds of lesson plans. Um, I mean, for chemistry, like you can craft things and learn chemical properties and balancing equations in Minecraft. The problem and the awkwardness of Minecraft for Education is it runs on the hardware, but you must have a Microsoft 365 account for your school in order to actually sign in, create your accounts, connect your class, etc. So it's built on you know, Microsoft's cloud services, which is just an awkward situation because if you're a school that's gone all in and up to buy Chromebooks for every kid and using Google Workspace and you're like doing all the Google things, why would you also have 365? There are schools that do and they use it and it works, but it's just, if that's the only reason you need a 365 account, it it really, you know, throws off the workflow. You know, kids have to sign in and now they have to remember a 365 account and a Google account. Like it's not integrated into the Google ecosystem, which just makes it difficult. I'm I'm assuming that there's a relatively decent, cost involved in having uh, 365 accounts for education it's not free like google yeah hmm. i couldn't even you tell you think the cost that Go- because yeah you would think that of- google and microsoft would get together for both of their benefit and say hey mm-hmm. we will allow you to license oh. this through google classroom or through google workspace yeah like we'll that, just take a cut yeah so that What's they, the, they should just be an add-on yeah, absolutely. Microsoft, you know, even if it's just specific to uh, Minecraft. I mean, know, they have other here's the add-ons. Minecraft like, add-on for Workspace. If you'd like to purchase it, now you have the license. You can roll this out to your kids. Yeah, I mean, yeah. stuff like Dropbox and different things like that, you can connect those with Workspace, but you're still going to have to pay for a Dropbox exactly. account. Right, yeah. And I think maybe that's – this question was kind of talking a little bit here. Like, it seems like there's more documentation coming out for this, but, like, I mean, John, from what you're seeing is is – 
Is there an? E- it sounds like there's not an easy way of doing this. But if someone's wanting to try to get this up and running for their school, like, what do you recommend? I guess it's not easy. Um, it's yeah. not easy. Now, Microsoft did buy Flipgrid, another very popular classroom product. Oh, really? And Flipgrid is great. You can just click sign in with Google, and it's like no work at all. Like it's it's doesn't even. Yeah, we anything. love Flipgrid. Our our uh, teacher yeah. our teacher last year used it a lot with the kids. Now, some of this, I think, is just also down, you know, based on Minecraft. It's not a truly web-based product, um, mm-hmm. and I, uh, there may be some technical issues behind this as well. Um, it's not quite as easy just logging into a web page and accessing your stuff. It's it's not Stadia. Um, I guess that's now there is a web-based version that someone has ported if they want to just get on there and tool around with yep. that. Yeah, but, but we don't recommend it. No, we <laughs> no, don't it's, recommend. No, it's great. It just isn't all. It isn't the. It's not the the new version yeah, with all so the new there's stuff. There's the bedrock version, and then there's whatever the other one is. So yeah, it's 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 kind of Minecraft. <laughs> yeah, it's the 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 very basic version that before they did a bunch of new things. Yeah. So unfortunately, you know, the answer to this question is. Minecraft for Education does work on Chromebooks, and if you get it set up, it works great, and there's lots of schools that are having success with it, but the back-end admin setup, like connecting all the things and making them all run, is sadly not uh, not a simple process, and that's really you- up to the... You know, the people with uh, big paychecks at uh, Microsoft and Google to figure out how to make it easier. Just out of curiosity, do you have any sort of tutorial or any sort of YouTube content on this or, or even article content on I this? don't. Um, Alice Keeler, um, my friend uh, from uh, California now, uh, she's over in um, Kansas. I believe she has a tutorial. It's a little older, but uh, yeah, head over to her website, alicekeeler.com. And uh, just search for Minecraft, and you'll uh, you'll might find some be stuff. time to make one of those. Yeah, I was gonna say we yeah. we might dig in if if and we'll we'll try to see if we can find that one from from uh, Alice, and we'll try to link that as well. So, uh, yeah, that's a bummer, but it is what it is. And yeah, I mean, <laughs> Minecraft getting bought uh, by Microsoft kind of throws a wrench in the ease of getting it set up on a Chromebook. Yeah. Uh, so John, let's let's switch gears here. I, I I think you had a couple questions for us, so let's maybe dig into a couple of those. And again, I'll remind everyone if you're interested in some more of this type of content and in hearing John's thoughts on some of this, make sure to check our upstream article that will be coming out very soon. And John's going to dig into some more of these questions. Mm-hmm. Well, I'd love to start with just a a real basic one. Um, So right now, you're recording this in May 2021. Spring tends to be the time as school wraps up where district admins kind of take inventory of their existing Chromebooks. They're like, okay, do we need to replace any? Do we have what kind of breakage do we have? What new devices? Maybe a bond? Like, this is when school districts are starting to think about what device am I going to purchase? They need to place their orders by, you know, June, July to get them Mm -hmm. before... um, the school year starts. So what is, in your opinion, the best Chromebook right now um, for an education um, scenario? So, you know, elementary, middle school, um, power, durability, battery life, cost. Um, what would you guys recommend? It's funny because we have some content yeah. headed your we, way we just have about a, that. So. We have a video that will probably go out today or tomorrow. Mm. I'm not sure when we'll get it out. Uh, 
talking more so about the pitfalls, things to look for, mm-hmm. and I think that kind of it's it's kind of yeah. what we're gonna say here. Yeah. Uh, so because I'm kind of I'm I'm in the same camp as you, John. I I say and, and I would. I would say eat the cost and get the touchscreen, not necessarily because it's a must, but as, as you said, the touchscreen adds value, but generally speaking, the touchscreen adds quality. Uh, prime example, Lenovo has their new Chromebook 3 that they just came out with, the reiteration with the MediaTek chip. It's an okay chip, and for, for elementary school kids, it's going to do just fine, but they have a touch and a non-touch version. The non-touch version is a TN panel at 220 nits, and I guarantee you, if you're sitting off angle at it, it probably is nearly unviewable. Not going to be able to see most, most of the Most of those screens are. Yeah, it's usually the vertical viewing angles is a problem. Like, once you get it, like, online, yeah, if you're perfectly okay. on plane, <laughs> I'm, I'm in golf mode, uh, twisting it left and right is usually okay. It's yeah, the, it's, it's top to vertical. Bottom. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but the touchscreen model is, it's either 250 or 300 nits. I think it's 250. It's usually, yeah, they're 250. But it's going to be, a, it's generally speaking, it's a much better viewing experience. Oh, 100%. And as you said, adding touch adds a lot of functionality yeah. to the device. Right. So I would, lo- for for older kids, uh, elementary or middle school and up, I would love to see schools leaning more towards 14-inch devices, uh, like CTLs in L81 yeah. with a touch screen is great. Uh, but for the elementary school kids, the 11.6 they're great because they can put them in tablet mode and they can tote them around, yep. but just look for something with a good display. And I think keyboards should be emphasized more on education devices because kids need to learn how to type and to learn how to type well. Right. You know, yeah, and that, that kind of ties in with, with build quality as well. So like, you know, if you can have a decent keyframe and then have a really crummy build quality and the keyframe doesn't matter because it's flexing so much underneath the, the weight of it. I remember there was an HP that came out a few years ago and I completely just hosed that thing. Yeah. Because uh, it was so flimsy. I mean, it, it felt like it was made of rubber instead of any kind of plastic. It was ridiculous. Um, and, and I get it. You know, kids kids are malleable and, and they're, they can just adjust. They can just adapt and deal with whatever you hand them and, and move on. Um I'm I'm frequently amazed by the things that my kids will put up with uh, in in the technology realm and not think anything about. It. And yeah. I give them something nicer, and they're like, "Oh, cool, great, whatever." <laughs> you know, they don't they don't care that much. And so, you know, it's not worth getting too bent out of shape about. But really thinking through, like Gabe said, thinking about your display. You know, making the 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 uh, upgrade if you have the funds to do so. Uh, thinking about you know doing that, uh, and then you know thinking about internal hardware like really looking for the right processors and knowing what you're looking for and so we kind of cover that in the video that's coming uh, you know don't go buy a Celeron N3050 you know stay away from the Apollo Lake stuff try to stay with the 4000s and up uh, especially with Jasper Lake Chromebooks that will be coming out soon uh, hot and heavy there's a bunch of them yeah so and you, those will be your new low end yeah Chromebooks. but you want something that's come out in the last two years one because your end of life is going to mm-hmm. get you through to the at least 2025 Gemini likes 2028. 20, 26. No, 26. 2026. 2026. Uh, so you have to look at that because it doesn't matter how good a device is. If you have to replace it in a year and a half because it's not supported, you're out money. Right. Uh, but the Apollo Lakes, they just, they, for, like for my daughter who's in second grade, it's fine. 
I mean, for yeah, what they but, do. But you you get something like Lexia open, and then they're watching a video, and then they're looking up stuff on their research site that they have. And Apollo Lake Chip will bog down pretty easily, yeah, especially it if take you much. have media playing. So and, I and, would just say avoid them. Yeah, and the fact is, like, there's plenty of Gemini Lake devices that have been out long enough that they're just as cheap. Mm-hmm. So when you, you have apples to apples here, there's no sense in buying the N3050 or N3150 or any of those 3000 series chips. Just mm-hmm. no sense in doing it. You can get really cheap Chromebooks, sub $200 Chromebooks with Gemini Lake in them. Mm-hmm. So that's what you need to do. And then as Jasper Lake comes out, those are just going to get pushed down even further. And you get till 2026 with them. You know, uh, they're, they're the first small core Intel chips that are honestly worth using. Yeah. Uh, and, and so it's like <clears throat> stick there. If you're going with arm, you know, MediaTek is where it's at right now. Um, they're not the fastest processors, but you can't get a Snapdragon 7C in anything but the the Acer, and it's 500 bucks or 400 bucks or whatever. That's not schools aren't shopping for that. Um, but the 8183 is showing up in more and more devices. Uh, the Duet, my kids use it. Yes, it's not the fastest thing, but it's it's good till 2028. Mm-hmm. It's in some interesting devices, and you know, as the as the market keeps moving forward. Like, don't go with the 81 MT8173 that was in the spin, or, or no, I'm sorry. The R13. The R13. Yeah. yeah, it is. It is a spin? I don't know. Mm-hmm. Maybe it was just it's R13. It's a convertible. It's just R13. Um, yeah. You know, know those processor differences. So when you're looking at it, because people will sell these things, as, and they might still be new in a box, but they'll sell it as like, hey, this is the 2021 MediaTek thing. And it's like, yeah, no. No, it's not. <laughs> learn your processors when you're looking. You know, yeah. uh, pay attention to RAM. Uh, make sure you're not buying a two gig device. Like there's just no, there shouldn't be, don't any, do that. They shouldn't exist. Yeah, if it's you been see that in some warehouse for years, yes, if you got right. uh, yes. two gigs. Yeah. Most of them are four and that's fine. And you don't probably don't need to be shopping for eight, but you know, make sure it's four. Uh, and then pay attention to storage, you know, make sure that you should be looking at a 64 gig device. Mm-hmm. I get, they're going to be 32 gig ones out there. Make sure it has external storage. Mm-hmm. If, if that's what you're going to yeah. end up getting. And so and for like a, for a computer lab where you're literally the kids are coming and going and it's all web-based stuff. 32 is okay, but just, just be conscious that eventually a downloaded file here and there and this and that, whatever they're, they're going to get full fast. Yeah. You know? So I think it's basically looking at if you get all these features and look at all this stuff together and say, okay, cool. Um, you know, I'm keeping this stuff in front of me. Then you can make an educated decision because mm-hmm. there's just too many Chromebooks out there for us to be like, ah, this one and this one. Well, that'll change like tomorrow. Yeah. Well, so, and, and, and like John said, yourself. like, yeah, and like John said too, you know, uh, different school districts might have to buy Lenovo devices. Well, there's right. going to be all these different options in right. the right. Lenovo line. Right. And on that note, uh, depending on what your needs are for Android apps and things of that nature, now might be a good time to check out the storage closet because Google's acquisition of Neverware has created a lot more direct support for cloud ready. And you may have some windows devices that are useless with windows that would be very, very capable Chromebooks. And right now, if you get cloud ready, you get a free management license from Google when you, when you buy the cloud ready license. So there we go. Win, win. There we go. Uh, anything, anything else from you, John? If we've got time, if if we've got time, we can dig into one more get your guys thoughts on video editing so you know as a 100 chromebook user i use we video all my youtube videos are done on we video we video is sufficient um mm-hmm. but you know i've been using we video for two years and i don't think i've seen a single update from it in that time without a real competitor 
Wii video is just like, okay, here we are. Um, I think that a lack of a, you know, really high quality video editor is one of the major things that is holding Chrome OS back from, you know, just taking off and being a, a legitimate option for pretty much everybody. Yeah. I know you've talked about, mm-hmm. um, you know, processors being upgraded and uh, discrete graphics processors. I mean, is there any hope that we'll be able to get more than one option for video editing in the in the future? I sure hope so. Yeah, and, <laughs> and, that, and I've actually, it's funny you should ask, because I've been researching multiple online ones as of late. We've actually been talking to a couple uh, different companies that do them. Uh, ClipChamp is mm-hmm. a good option as well. Uh, and I've, I've tried out about six in the last month, and what I've found is where one may be lacking the other one may pick up the slack but then it's missing another feature i found one the other day that's really great but you can only upload one gig files at a time so i took a two minute video on my phone and it was 1.3 gigs so i had to split the video and then upload it and you get a lot of great options and graphics and stock media and that stuff's great but then you're still stuck with it's all done in the cloud and it has to export and all that. And it's good. There's a lot of really good options out there, but as you said, some of them are just sufficient, even though they offer a lot of options, it's still not what a true power video editor would be looking for. We've installed some on Chromebooks. Uh, now that Tiger Lake's out, we need to try them again and see how well they run because like Flowblade and a few other Linux ones work, uh, but you drop frames here and there and then you run into issues. I think Tiger Lake may fix some of that, but I just don't know how far out we are from a true uh, video editing resolution for Chrome OS. I would love to say that DaVinci was resolve would install on one of these Tiger Lake devices. And that would just be the end of, cause that's, that's the alternative to final cut pro, mm-hmm. but and the, I don't about, know if that's going to happen. Uh, Adobe Rush. I mean, there was all that fanfare, <laughs> which, which just turned out to be yeah. vapor. That's a really good question. That's a great, great question. question. <laughs> um, yeah. I, don't, uh, I mean, Google yeah, actively it, promoted that, like, this is a thing. Yeah. Chromebooks are here. This is going to work. And, I mean, that was like two years ago, right? Yeah. It yeah. just kind of fell through the cracks. And <clears throat> to, to speak on this question just for a second, um, I think there are like multiple ven- avenues where when you said, is there any hope? Sure. Uh, I think, I think there is. Um, I think there's been some things that are, that are waiting to transpire in order for this to actually happen. Uh, and some of those things haven't been here just yet. So uh, first and foremost would be discrete graphics. Um, mm-hmm. We just haven't had that. There just hadn't been a thing. And for video editing, if you're talking about actual video, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not, I don't want to demean uh, ClipChamp or WeVideo or whatever. Th- those are not professional tools. Mm-hmm. Those are, you know, those are tools that you can use. And as you said, they're sufficient. They, right. They can kind of get the job done. But compared to what we do, for instance, like what Joe does with right. Final Cut, it, it's honestly the, it's like comparing a, 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 a Nintendo Switch to some professional gaming laptop. Like it's, they're just two very different approaches to the same, trying to accomplish the same task. And so, um, so part of that problem has been GPU. You need a GPU in order to, to render all this kind of stuff. So that problem is sort of kind of getting solved this year. Uh, XE graphics on uh, Chromebooks that will come with these 11th gen Core i5 and Core i7 Tiger Lake processors, I think will have sufficient GPUs to do some video editing. Yes. You're not going to get the render times that we're getting on the Mac. You know, it, It's just not going to be that. But it's sufficient enough to do it. 
the the new um, AMD chips that will come out later this year, those will also have pretty beefy uh, GPUs in them as well. Again, they're on board, but these GPUs, the M1 Mac that we have in there is technically just built onto the SOC as mm-hmm. well. So that that it doesn't matter. They can do it. <laughs> and then MediaTek is working with NVIDIA now also to uh, put their GPUs there. So there, there's multiple things moving so that, you know, graphics processing is going to be a lot better uh, by the end of this year, for sure. Okay, so that's that's problem one, kind of, sort of solved. The, the other issue now is who, what part of the Chrome OS ecosystem leverages that GPU? Who's actually going to tap into that? So is it going to be Android, an Android app? Mm-hmm. Uh, thus far, Android apps and GPUs in Intel-based devices, not been great. Um, the fact that when I try to run PUBG, mobile on a Chrome, an Intel Chromebook that it clearly is not taking any advantage mm-hmm. of the GPU tells me that, it, you know, GPU leveraging isn't happening. And so maybe Arc VM and, and Android 11 and this stuff, eventually it paves the way for that. Right now it doesn't. I can open PUBG on this Chrome OS 90 device and it clearly still, even though this the HP I've got in front of me is a 10th gen there's at least a GPU in here. It's not the best one, but there's a GPU in here. It's clearly not taking any advantage of right. that. That arc VM hasn't fixed that yet. So Android is a path. It still doesn't, that feels like it's a little far off because yeah. uh, the container technology is going to have to get to the point where seamlessly GPU can be integrated. Then you got to get a developer that wants to write that, and make sure that they that's take the key of it. because, and here's, here's my thought on this. Like even now with these tiger like devices, a lot of applications that require GPU power, they don't see the GPU when you install one of these Linux applications because you're running a, a container in a VM on top of Chrome OS, and it just it doesn't. It's going to take a developer the same way it took Parallels to create their own specific container for Chrome OS. A developer, whether it be DaVinci or Flowblade, Adobe, or Adobe, Adobe says, hey, we're going to package an application and we're going to work directly with Google on how to get that application to specifically leverage the hardware that's on a device. Well, Because well, the pieces are all there. It just takes someone to create something to use them. Yeah, so that's kind of where I was going. Like the Clearly, uh, Android apps, I, I don't think, are going to be the answer. Nope. No. Linux applications, Gabe's tried like every Linux video editor. As he said, that they're not passing. Like the GPU may or may not be recognized, whatever. And again, they, they can get Christini to the point where it's leveraging it well. But even in Linux, even if you have a Linux laptop, there's a lot of times where an application won't pos- po- properly see the GPU. I mean, that's right. just part of things not working right together. So Linux as an answer, I... I I don't see that as like long-term answer. What I do see, well, and then the other one would be web-based applications. I just don't see that. But PWAs are coming a long way. Something yep. like WeVideo or ClipChamp could really go all in and say, we're going to build this thing that's going to leverage local stuff um, because that's another part of the problem. No, you got to upload everything. Like that's, that's not workable. If we're at a show or we're at a thing and we've got to upload, how many gigs are our projects? Oh, I mean now with what, with, with the, the lossless stuff. Yeah. The, like with the, what like we're filming, raw. it's, it's, uh, it's upwards of 150 gigs. Yeah. That's raw not, files that's not that reasonable to upload all that <laughs> uh, in, a, in a given setting. So cloud-based video editing will always suffer because of that. So you need a local solution, PWAs, local. WebAssembly, all that stuff. Could, could could maybe get someone's got to decide to build it. Mm-hmm. So that, then, what's the final answer? It's what Gabe just yeah. mentioned. It's okay. Adobe. It's DaVinci. It's somebody coming and saying, "Hey, we want to build like Borealis, like 
like parallels, like like all these other containers. We want to build a specific container for our device that will for sure run on at least these Chromebooks. Yep. And you don't have to make it work for every Chromebook. It shouldn't. Like I shouldn't expect to buy a $200 Chromebook and edit video with a professional video editor. That's not reasonable. But if I buy a Core i5 Tiger Lake with 512 gigs of storage and 16 gigs of RAM, and I want to do, I want to take advantage of that. And Adobe has said, yeah, we made sure, not Adobe Rush, we've made sure, we've written Premiere. Uh, and, and it's a Linux, technically written in Linux, but basically we created this, this with Google, this container that has that in there. It has all the necessary parts. It's hooked up to work on these two processors. As long as your Chromebook has those things, it will work. You download it, you install it, it yeah. works. That's to me, that's the path forward. It's just going to be a matter again of someone deciding they want to do it. Because at, you know, at, at the end of the day, Adobe might, we, we can't, I, I don't know if we've, we've said this before, so we can probably say, we can't say who it was, but we were at CES and someone told us they were editing a video on the airplane ride over using Rush. On a I had it installed, or you had it installed. It wasn't yeah. working. It in, kept crashing, in, yeah. but it technically was Yeah, it was there. And I think perhaps, you know, they saw some of this work that was being done, and maybe they were even in conversations with Google, because clearly, like John said, they were kind of promoting this thing. And maybe they said, hey, ooh, this container stuff, the way this is progressing, that's going to be a much better way of doing this. An Android app isn't probably going to be the, the way forward and hopefully that is really there's been such a delay we've been talking about it forever i really hope that there are smart people building this as we speak or fifth solution <laughs> google just does it yeah um yeah, i don't know about them about building a full-blown editor like i feel like they would be better off partnering with someone to bring mm -hmm. a, a yeah. video editor and again, it's going to end up coming through a container, 100%. Yeah, yeah. But if they can get the Windows, entire Windows framework and everything, <laughs> exactly. and you can run Windows apps. Like, I've run yeah. Parallels on this HP. It runs really, exactly. really well. It's all so there. If it's, 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 the possibility is there. Someone has to want to do it bad enough to make mm -hmm. it happen. As if we keep seeing this exponential growth of Chromebook adoption and, has to and happen. Chromebook shipping, someone's going to realize, hey, we're missing out on millions of software sales because we'll be the only game in town if we go ahead and get this thing launched. So It makes so much sense for Adobe to be that company. Well, my yeah, only hope my is that the, you know, explosive growth of Chrome OS over the pandemic will turn the heads of some of these executives to That's recognize that Chrome is, I mean, the most explosive platform, you know, since the iPhone, I mean, in terms of um, what we've seen over the last three, four years. And unfortunately, it's going to take probably a couple more years for them to get things in gear and actually get something to a point they can ship it. Because what exactly. we don't need is another half-baked video editor. Like, we need a legit no. one. Like, I don't want Google yeah. to go out and build their own, and it's, you know, just this little thing they stick inside of uh, Google Photos, and it, again, doesn't do everything. Like, we really need one of the high-class existing platforms to come over to, to Chrome OS so that Agreed. Agreed. it can be a and, true creative platform. And uh, people are familiar with it. Um, so, so if someone, I mean, in general... I would say the average uh, creative or creator is using Final Cut, Adobe, or DaVinci. I mean, there's other right. ones out there, but those three are, are the big ones. 
and they have some similarities. They have some things that are different. Like I can go edit in Premiere and get. I could make a video in Premiere, but it's, it take you a little bit longer because you it have is, to remember what it is. It is very different are. than Final Cut, right? And it took me a little bit to learn Final Cut whenever I transitioned. So. It, it almost needs to be one of the main companies they, to get that the that that transition from it's people. Not, so. It's not just the editor itself. It's also the user base and the user community around it. Like WeVideo exactly. does not have any plugins. There's there's no animations. Like you can't buy anything. You can't put anything into WeVideo. It is what it is, and that's it. And there's all no of, community around it. All of our graphics that we use, I don't make all of those. Like it's through it's through Visual FX, amazing company, or Motion FX, Motion FX, Motion FX, uh, amazing company, and they build awesome. You know, they do all the 3D tracking graphics. They right. do all the all of our intro and and all of that. You know, I go, I obviously have to go through and tweak everything and make sure the timing's all right and all that. But they give you the basics and so yeah that's the other thing too is you've got to have uh that that sort of community behind it too so and here's the thing like the whole thing could still be web-based it could still be cloud-centric in the way that you can share things and all sorts of things like that it could do all of those things pwas and WebAssembly have the ability to leverage your local files all of it could still be done in a pwa it mm -hmm. could um, yeah. it just whether or not somebody I, I could see adobe doing that i could see them doing premiere rush or something like that this is the, well, the true cloud version and you don't have to upload your files you can edit them right there but, but it's all based on a web yeah app. all the rest of the software is all based on the yeah. web so that you just go machine to machine yeah I there's enough people uh, enough people using chromebooks now it's going to happen eventually so great question it john is. it is yeah great question we could obviously sit and talk about this forever because there's right. a lot there's a lot behind it it's not as simple as well someone just needs to make it you know there, there's a lot of right. pieces to this so um, all right well thank you guys for uh for yeah thanks me so much we'll have to uh hold out a little bit longer sounds like yeah, for yeah. for for anybody who is interested in some of your work, where can people find you online? Um, yeah, so my website where I blog exclusively about Chromebooks in the classroom is uh, chrmbook.com. Um, you can check out my podcast. Uh, goes really well alongside yours. Uh, I talk about again applications in the classroom, and uh, again, if uh, you'd like to join me for this online course, uh, starts in early June. Head over to chrm tech slash chromecast and uh, you can sign up there's no cost excellent excellent thanks so much for joining us john we really really appreciate it man guys you are uh, my chromey homies and uh <laughs> i'm gonna go check make sure the uh, jimmy john's guy can get in and that's uh, right I'll, uh, enjoy my uh, my lunch with you all righty hey uh thanks 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 for joining us and for everyone listening thanks for tuning in we'll catch you all next week see ya Hey guys, thanks for tuning in. You can find show notes over at chromeunbox.com forward slash podcast. And if you want to stay up to date with everything that's happening in the world of Chrome and Chrome OS, make sure to check out our website, chromeunboxed.com, and follow us on social media by searching for at Chrome Unboxed. Thanks again for listening, and we'll see you next time.